Thursday, but we have arranged for Pastor Bill to come share the word. Let me just say something about Pastor Bill before he does that. And hello, Disla family again, by the way. Good to have you on the front row. Very good. Uh, we'll pray blessings on your travel back. But uh, Pastor Bill uh, came on staff full time in January of 2020. You know, so it was, a, it was a commitment from the church, a commitment from him and Heidi as well. And uh, that was January and March COVID hit. So the whole, the whole two years have been different, you know, very different. But uh, Pastor Bill has been very, very faithful. Uh, we work very closely together. And um, working through the COVID was a challenge, but, you know, uh, God is good and God is keeping us together as a, as a church family. Um, in September of last year, uh, Pastor Bill was uh, uh, elected or chosen, I guess, uh, to consider being the executive director of Common Ground Ministries. So at that point, uh, we, we worked with Common Ground and we, we developed a little transition uh, strategy financially to help facilitate this process. And by January, uh, Pastor Bill would be full-time at Common Ground as executive director. And his role here at the church as associate pastor would still continue, but in a somewhat more limited capacity because he can't be in two places at once. But uh, we will see him, and he'll be ministering here as he's able to do that. So on that note, uh, I wanted to give a very warm welcome to Pastor Bill Spurdione as he comes to share our very good word this morning. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I'm blessed to be able to be here and um, to preach the word of God. You know, um, the word of God is a living vessel. And when you, when you read the Word of God and you read it all the time and you read it daily, it constantly works on you. You know, and I, it's funny, I prepared this message. I had the, the outline sent to James yesterday morning. Because I was in Connecticut yesterday with my grandkids and my daughter and her husband and uh, we had a blessed day. Uh, we were able to have a seafood festival down there and I get up to play in the snow with the kids and go sledding and have a... It was a blessed day. And... Uh, but, you know, it, it, this morning I woke up early and prepared my heart for today, which I do whenever I preach, is I always wake up. I can't sleep the night before I preach. I always wake up early, and I always, um, my heart is just stirred what God wants, you know. And a lot of times he waits to the last minute to give you something that's fresh and something new. And I was in, my sh- in the shower this morning, you know, and I, I'd been in the Word, I'd been, in, you know, preparing and preparing my heart, and I'm in the shower, and all of a sudden something came upon me. And I didn't even know, I really didn't see this before that point. That we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. That we are fighting. We are fighting. Constantly. Everything we say and we stand for is come against. People are coming against. People speaking against. People are trying to shut it up. And stop it from being said. And the more we say it, the more we will be attacked. This is true. And that's what we're called to do right now. Well, what I want to talk about today is about the great prophet Elijah. Here is a prophet who brought a word to the people. He was given a word from God. It was a word of a famine in a drought that was coming on the land. And Elijah gave this word to the people. 
And what do you think happens? You know he was going to be attacked eventually. But you know what? During this drought and during this famine, God provided for him. God fed him with crows and placed him by a river and gave him nourishment. This drought was three and a half years, this drought in this famine, three and a half years. Which if you think about three and a half, that's half of seven, which is the perfect number. He wasn't only just profit, um, nourished in that way, he was also nourished by a poor widow. Now you can read this in um, 1 Kings chapter 17, and chapter, and going into 18, and then into 19. But he was fed by a widow who had not much, enough for her and her child. But the Lord had led her to give what she had and share it with Elijah to provide for his nourishment. And she did. And she had plenty and never ran out for all three. And then he was used by God in a mighty way to come against the prophets of Baal and to show who God was. Here's Elijah, one man, against 450 prophets of Baal. And he challenged them. Let's see who the true God is. And he challenged them. And God showed up. For the one man, not for the 450 prophets of Baal. And he spoke. And rain came. He spoke, just like the word said, and the rain came. God, so Elijah was used in a mighty way by God. And then all the prophets of Baal, those 450, were killed. But let's look at what happens next and see what God has for us today. The title of my message today is, What Are You Doing Here? Now, I'll be reading a, a good size of, um, portion of Scripture from the... I'll be using the ESV because that, that, that's what I'm using right now. So I'm using the ESV, the um, English Standard Version. That was, was actually the assembly that God gave me this when I got ordained. So I just figured, since they gave it to me, I will use it. <laughs> I usually use the NIV. I've been using the NIV since I've been saved. But I, I, I'm using the English Standard Version. So I'm going to be looking at 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 18. And it says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is, is it, it, This is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, 
there was at his head a cake bread on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jayu, the the son of Nifshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Moholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah put to death. Yet I leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that I have now bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Lord, I just thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that I can uh, just preach it the way you want to preach it. Say what you want me to say, and just, put, and, and just speak what you want to speak right now, Lord. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so here's a man of God. Elijah, great man of God, did mighty things with God. God provided for him for all these years. But then something came against him, and he had fear that came over him. I think all of us can experience that at times, to be afraid. No matter what, when something comes against us, we become afraid. And it's okay, because it happens to all of us. We are human, we become afraid. But you got to realize, Elijah was probably, it was also discouraged. He was discouraged because what was coming against him after all this, all of a sudden, some of them wasn't coming against him. Not just that, I think he was also fatigued. He was tired. He was tired. He had everything, you got to realize, all that time without full, without full nourishment and everything that he did and the way God used him, he was tired. 
So here is Elijah who had a great victory and immediately persecuted. And his faith was tested to the point that he wanted to die. His faith was tested to the point where he wanted to die. He asked God, take my life, take me from here. And I think all of us at some point in life have felt this way at times where we, you know what? Enough is enough. And that's my first point. Enough is enough. I've taken so much. I can't take no more. I'm done. I'm spent. How many of us have ever got to that place of discouragement and fatigue when we want to throw in the towel? How many people have left the church because of this? Have left Christianity because of this? They gave up. And they seeked things elsewhere. They started looking for what they needed elsewhere. Not in the body of Christ. Not in Him. They started seeking other things in other ways. I think many have fallen because of this. Because no matter what, we're going to be persecuted. We're not persecuted like other countries. We are persecuted for who we are. If we are, if we are living the way that we are supposed to live, we will be persecuted. It is totally against the world. We are in a spiritual battle with a world that is against who we are. I think everyone goes through times like this when life and ministry becomes challenging. And when fear may overtake us for a moment and we become distraught. But where do we go? Where do we go when we become distraught? Where do we go to get what we need? Do we go on another vacation? Oh, I need a vacation. I just need some time. I need a vacation. I just need to get away. Is that the answer? Is it in a vacation? Is it going to Disney World? Is it going to the Bahamas? Is, it, is that where it is? Is that where the answer is? Is that what we need? Nothing against that because I'm, hey, I'm all for it. <laughs> but when you're in this place, where do we go? Is that what's going to fill us? Is that what's going to feed us? Do we go see the doctor and get another medication? Not that the medication's not needed. It is. It is. But you know what? People are looking to block everything and stop everything in worldly ways and not in God. Sometimes it's okay to be distraught. Sometimes it's okay to be broken. Sometimes it's all right to be in this place when you had enough because then God can do something with you. But until we get to that place, He can't because you're not broken. You're not surrendered. You haven't given up. You're doing it on your own strength. You just keep on going and going and going and going. Boom. Then you get to that place and you're broken. And what do you, but what do you do with that is what matters. This is where it matters. This is the real, where the, where the, the rubber meets the road is when we're down. This is where we find out where we're really at. God did not leave him stranded. God did not leave him alone. God gave him what he needed. He met him where he was at. Even though he was discouraged, even though he was at this place uh, wanting to die, God met him there. He didn't judge him. He didn't persecute him. He met him. 
And he provided for what he needed. He needed rest. He needed nourishment. And he needed nurturing. And that's what God gave him. He gave him rest. He gave him nourishment. He gave him nurturing. That's what he needed. Even though he was going his own direction, God still met him there. Which leads to my second point. He nourishes us when we, in our brokenness. He nourishes us in our brokenness. God knows what we are going through and what is ahead. He knew what was next for Elijah. He knew. And he prepared him for it. He nourished him. He, he, he built him back up. And that's what God does. He will build us back up. Yeah, it's tough being down at times, but he builds us back up if we allow him to. And we don't seek it from other places. Because sometimes when we seek it in other places, we miss out on what he has for us. Because he has it for us. He is the one who prepares us for the journey. We're not the ones who prepare ourselves for the journey. He does, if it's in his way. It's him that prepares us. This nourishment for Elijah was so he could go forth, for, go forth for 40 days and 40 nights. Just like Jesus, for 40 days and 40 nights. Just like Moses, 40 days and 40 nights. No food, no nourishment for 40 days and 40 nights. He nourished him. He got him to that point so that he can seek after what he was going to. Where was he going? He was going to the same place that Moses went to. The mountain of God. Because he wanted to meet God face to face. He knew that's where God was. He knew that's where Moses had met with God. To go to that special place. Mount Horeb. The mountain of God to meet with him. He knows how to meet us in that place of brokenness. He knows what we need. He we don't need judgment. And you're going to realize is that God showed himself. Showed himself in the wind. Meaning like he showed, he showed the wind. He showed the earthquake. He showed the fire. But then he didn't meet him with that. He met him with the whisper. Because at that point Elijah didn't need judgment. And that's what those are. Wind, earthquake, and fire are judgment. And Elijah didn't need that. He needed a gentle whisper from God. That's what he needed at that point, And that's what he got from God. God was like nurturing him. Preparing him. Strengthening him. He was strengthening Elijah. James 1, 2-4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials in various kinds, and you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's how he wants... See, he wants to make us who he called us to be. He wants to do it, but he can't do it until we're at that place of brokenness. You know, I mentioned throwing the towel in. Elijah wanted to throw the towel in. And when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about the movie Rocky. And Rocky, and, and, and how um, Apollo's trainer was supposed to throw, he, he wanted to throw the towel in, but he didn't throw it in. And then Rocky had the same choice. If you, and and um, Creed too, I think it was, he had the same choice where he was going to throw that towel in. But he didn't throw that towel in. 
But I want you to realize something. The only one that throws a towel in is Jesus. We're not the ones that throw the towel in. We don't give up. He never gives up on us. And he'll never throw the towel in. He never will. We're the ones that are fighting. But he will give us everything we need to continue to fight. He will give us everything we need to to do what we're called to do in that fight. He will never turn the fight. He will never give up on us. And he will always provide what we need. He will never turn the towel in. Because understand, the person that throws the towel in is the manager. He's either the manager or the trainer who trained this boxer up. Well, God, he has trained us up. He trained Elijah up. He has trained us up. And he's not going to give up on us. He's never going to throw the towel in. But you know what? We're always looking for an easier way. We're looking for an easier way for ministry. We're looking for an easy way to do things. We're looking for an easier path. This is too hard. I want an easier path. Elijah was probably in the same place. He was looking for an easier path. Jesus wanted an easier path, did he not? He was looking for an easy... Meaning, he asked, God, if this cup is not for me, take it from me. He was looking for an easier way, but there was no easier way. He had to take it for us. Elijah had to do for us. Same thing. I believe this is what God gives us to make us who he wants us to be. You know, when former, um, former President James Garfield, he was asked by a father about their son. He says, is there an easier way on this task? And what, um, what um, former President James Garfield said was, well, what do you want to be? Do you want to be an oak tree or a squash? That's what he said to him. And what he was referring to was that a strong, you want to be a strong oak tree who was, cre- who was created over hundreds of years to be strong and to be tall and to be rooted in. Or do you want to be a squash that was created in two months with very shallow roots that can be squashed? What do you want to be? It takes time. It takes time to grow an oak tree. And that's what he was referring to. He was saying to him, there's no easy way. You've got to go through what you've got to go through to get to where God wants you to be, no matter where it is. So where did he go? Where did Elijah go? Which is my third point. He, he escaped to the glory place. He went to this place where he knew God was. 280 miles to go where God was. This is about six hours in a car, but for him it was 40 days and 40 nights of traveling and traveling and traveling and traveling and traveling. You know, and as I read this, I started to realize that God likes mountains. God likes mountains. You want to find God? Go to the mountains. And I say that with a a joy in my heart because I love mountains. (laughs) But when you think about it, where did Noah's Ark land? On a mountain. Landed on Mount Ararat. How about Abraham? Where did he bring his son to sacrifice him to God? He brought him to a mountain, Mount Moriah. 
Where did God take Moses to heaven? Mount Nero. How about the city of David? Mount Zion. How about the Transfiguration, which was the highest point at that point, which Mount Hermon. How about the Garden of Gethsemane? Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus went and prayed. Mount of Olives. How about Calvary? It wasn't a mountain, but it was a hill. It was on a hill. (laughs) And then there's Mount Sinai, or Mount Horeb. The same. Same place where Moses got the Ten Commandments. Same place. Same place that Moses met with God face to face. The same place. That's where Elijah went. And like Moses did, Elijah also did. How many of us want this? How many of us want to meet God face to face? How many have done this? I've seeked after this. You know, many times in my walk, my wife could share with you that I, I had to escape. That it wasn't a vacation. It was just needed to be alone with God. I needed to be alone with God. Maybe it was healing I was going through with my father or my mother. It was healing going in my life. And the healing happened by me being... I didn't go away with somebody else. Uh, No, I went away with God. That's where I went away. Two years in a row, I drove all the way to Damascus, Virginia. If anybody knows where that is, it's right on the North Carolina border. I drove down there and stayed down there for a week in a shed in somebody's backyard. Right near the Appalachian Trail, because um, for the hikers, they had sheds. They have sheds in their backyards, and they put people up in the shed. And I go in the and I stayed in the shed for a week. My father was living down at the time, but God was not just dealing with my relationship with my dad; He was also just dealing with me. And I went down there and I met with God. I went a couple of days. I slept in my car when I was down there, but I was meeting with God. I went to Maine and I spent the 10 days in the woods in March with four feet of snow because I wanted to meet with God. And he, and he showed up. He showed up. And it wasn't that stillness. I'll never forget Sunday morning. You probably were having service here. I was in Maine at a lean-to about 10 miles in the woods. I just got there. And I'll never forget, I woke up and I was laying there and it was snowing out. And the beauty and the, there's a stillness and just the beauty of it, God spoke. God spoke. Ah. Hey, where that happened from? God speaks. But we need to allow Him to speak. We need to go to that place where He, want, where he can speak. We need to be broken. We need to, you know what? We need to try, stop trying so hard. We try so hard. We need to stop trying and let him do what he needs to do. Let him equip us for the fight. Let him be the one who gives us what we need. Why? So that we can move forward refreshed. That is my fourth point. That, so we need this so that we can move forward refreshed. We need to be away from things so that we can be with God and be refreshed. This was to get Elijah back on track. It was to continue to do what Elijah was to do through God. I want you to think about something. 
You know, this came to me, and my wife and I were traveling yesterday, and we started talking about this yesterday. We were talking about winter. You had this snow, and you got this ice, you got this cold. Oof. New England, you know, us New Englanders, I don't, I, see, I don't mind it. I like it, actually, so I'm okay. But you know what? We started talking about it, and we realized, you know, without that, what happens? What if we didn't have winter? What if we didn't have fall and winter? Well, there, there would be no break for nature. You know what happens in winter? Creation is prepared for spring. It heals, it strengthens, it gets built up and nourished so that it can do what it's supposed to do. Then you realize, wow, that is true. Because even in warmer climates, guess what happens? They have winters. They have seasons, just like we do. They're different, but they have seasons. But I want you to think about a farmer, too. You don't see farmers planting on the same property all the time. They move them. They plant on this, and, and then, they, then they move it. And they move it because of the nourishment from the soil. They allow, the, they allow God to nourish the soil, to do what he's supposed to do by the leaves and by the snow and by the nutrients that comes directly from him. And then they grow somewhere else, and then the next year they go back. They'll transfer back and forth so that the nutrients will stay. That's the same with us. We have seasons, and we have seasons where we need to be with God and be nourished and get the sleep that we might need and get the nourishment that we might need and the time with Him that we might need, the healing we might need, the growth we might need. Song of Solomon 2, 11 through 13. When I read the scripture, I was blessed. It says, For, for behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the ground. The time of singing has come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Understand, look what winter does. It brings forth singing. When we meet with God like that, guess what it brings? It brings forth singing. It brings forth uh, revival. It brings forth refreshing when we meet with God like that. Just like a flower, we will blossom. The The fruits will be fresh. They will be new. They will be good. But our fruit are no good when we don't get that time with God. When we don't get that refreshing, our fruit are not good. They can't flourish because we're missing something. We need to be broken. We might need to be pruned. Whatever has to happen, has to happen in our lives. Question is for you, where are you? Are you in that place of discouragement right now? It's okay. Because he's there with you. You are not alone. And don't let anybody lie to you and tell you any differently. He is there with you. Because he wants to nourish you. He wants to meet you there. You know what? It doesn't all come from... You know what? This, this movement of God does not all come from rallies and conferences, even just from church. It comes from this. It comes, it comes forth in quietness and stillness with God. That's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. It comes from stillness and quietness with God. 
This is not something we can do in our own will. We cannot get this nourishment from our own will. It only can come from Him, through His Word, through time alone with Him. But it takes us being broken and humbled. It takes brokenness and humbleness. And it's not another vacation, but it's an encounter with our Maker. It's an encounter with our Maker. And I want to close out with one last scripture. 1 Peter 5, 6-11. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a Roman lion, seeking someone to devour. Re- resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered for a while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We're going to suffer a little bit. But guess what? He has grace. And he restores us. He confirms us. He strengthens us. And he establishes us. He does. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, Lord Jesus. I just thank you for what, you know, this message, Lord Jesus, because I know this message is from you. It comes from you, Lord, calling us out, Lord. How many of us need rest? That word that came today, when I heard that word come, I said, okay, it's confirmation. We need rest. Elijah needed rest. We need nourishment. Elijah needed nourishment. He needed nurturing. Elijah needed nurturing. God provided these things for them. How much more would he provide it for us? He will provide for all of our needs. But it takes up stop and fighting in our own strength and, and, and just surrender ourselves. Be broken. Be broken. Be broken. But it also says in that scripture though, it says arise. It says arise many times in that scripture. What it's saying is that let the spirit of God come upon you and then arise through the, through the spirit of God. Don't arise in your own strength, but arise through his spirit. That's what I pray for us, Lord, that we will arise with his spirit. It also uses the word behold many times in, in this version. Behold. Set your eyes upon. Behold means set your eyes upon. Set your eyes upon him. Set your eyes upon what he's doing. Set set your eyes upon what he has for you. The nourishment he has for you. The, The rest he might have for you. The place he has for you. So what are you doing here? What are you doing here? 
And I just pray, Lord Jesus, right now, Lord Jesus, that you will, whoever you're speaking to today, Lord, I just pray you speak to them. I pray for your Holy Spirit to come upon them, all of us, Lord Jesus, and to speak to us through this word the way you want to speak, Lord. And you do what you want to do, Lord. Lead those to, to, to that place they need to be, Lord. Lead, every, lead us all to that place, Lord, we need to be. Maybe that quiet place, that still place, broken place. That's what I pray right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Let's let Pastor know we appreciate that word. Thank you. It's a great second time. Amen. Why don't we stand together? Uh, I just want to follow up on that on that message. Uh, we've determined to call the church to a time of prayer and fasting. It's going to be uh, starting next Sunday evening through our live stream. And then uh, that's the uh, 16th. That's the 16th next Sunday. And then Monday night will be uh, 6.30 to 7.30 prayer night anyway. Then Tuesday through Thursday, we'll be meeting here from 6 to 7. If you could come. If you can't come, it's okay. Just pray and fast on your own. But we want to leave the church open for those that can come and can pray. But please, you have a week to think about it. You know, fast, fast a meal, fast dessert, fast a day, fast two days, whatever you could do. But let's seek the Lord. We always take a week during January. And so this is our time to do it. So we're starting next Sunday night. I'll remind you next Sunday as well. So... I wonder, Brother Jesus, could you come up here and close us out in prayer today? Good to have you in the back here at New Life. Let's pray one more time here. Bless the church. Father God, I'd like to ask you to bless New Life, bless the community, bless Jesus. the COVID, bless the mayors. The first responders who are out there answering calls. Yes, Lord. Please guide us, protect us, circumcise the hearts that are afraid. Circumcise the hearts that are scared. Bless them. Jesus. Fill it with your love, your joy, and understanding. Let them know there is nothing to fear because you are with us. Greater is the one that lives in us than he who lives in the world. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Listen, uh, Brother Doug will be playing a little bit. If anyone needs altars... If anyone needs altar time, uh, make yourself available up here. If not, you're free to go or to stay or fellowship or whatever. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you on live stream.